feel just such a tenderness in the house of God this morning. We seek for days when we can reach God. We seek for moments when his presence can be felt, when he feel, we feel like he's near us. Well, he's near us this morning. Amen. He's near us, and we just need to magnify that and glorify that above everything else. Reach for him. Amen. When I was praying, all I could do is just, I wanted to say how much I loved him. <laughs> I just wanted to reach out and touch him and tell him how much I appreciate him. Amen. For what he's done for me, what he's doing through me. Amen. And for all the things to come. Just wanna thank you, Lord, for every time you heard me pray. I just want to thank you, Lord, for always being there when I was so down. I just want to thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. So if I had a thousand lives to live, I'd give them all to the Lord. He has been so good to me. That it's the least I could afford. For he's made the good times outnumber the bad. He's been the best friend I've ever had. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. just want to thank you, Lord, for always being there when I was so down and out. Well, you came along, made me want to shout. I just want to thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. If I had a thousand lives to live, I'd give them all. <laughs> For he has been so good to me that it's the least I could afford. He's made the good times outnumber the bad. Best friend I've ever had. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for every time that you've heard me pray. I 
just raise their hands and say thank you Jesus thank you Lord for turning every bad time into a good time amen I was reminded of that scripture in Romans Romans 8 28 where the Bible says Romans 8, 28 says, we know we could stop right there and we've already misinterpreted the scripture <laughs> because most folk don't know. Paul was taken for granted when he was talking. Doesn't go any further than just the heavenly bellhop. We think that we get ourselves into a mess, and can I say, not every time, but the majority of the time, we 
get ourselves into a mess. It's really not even a trial sent from God. <laughs> Come on, somebody wave at me. Most of the time, it's not even a trial sent from God. It's our own making. It's our own device. We've created a mess. And then we run to God, and we expect Him to fix it for us. And we'll quote that scripture. The Bible says, and ain't, and ain't it just wonderful how, and people will use that scripture on you, against you. <laughs> Really, it is. It's against your faith. It's against your. Uh, uh, it's against your principles. It's against a lot of things. Uh, you fall and break your leg, and some Christian is going to come up to you and say, "Well, now, according to Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together." Well, that broke leg ain't working for me. Come on, somebody, y'all know what I'm talking about. But people do that. Have a terrible. Have, have a, a, a just a, a catastrophe in your relationship, and people want to run up like a like a bomb, and just. Plaster it on you. Well, now, it must not have been meant because all things work together. Divorce is not working for your good. Separation is not working for your good. Come on, we've got to know how to apply these scriptures if we're going to benefit from them. The Bible says all things work. Stop right there. <laughs> work. There's a, a, my granny, we used to make friendship bread. And she would give me a little starter and a little bag. Well, that starter wasn't enough to make friendship bread, cake. Wasn't enough. Some things, had, some ingredients had to be added to that bag. Y'all girls know what I'm talking about. I bet every one of y'all's made that stuff. And it takes seven days to make. It's not something that happens 30 minutes like Betty Crocker. Go to the store, get it, mix it up, stick it in the oven. 20, 30 minutes later, you got yourself a cake. This cake takes seven days to make. And every day you got to add an ingredient. And you know what you got to do? You got to add some flour and you got to add, I think it's milk. It's been a long time since I made it, since my grandma died. But you zip it up, you'd mash it all together. And then you laid it on the counter and let it work. <laughs> it had to work. Some things had to mix up. Some things had to ferment. Some things had to move and shift inside that bag. Is that right? It had to work for 24 hours. And then you went back, you picked the bag up, you added some flour, you had some milk, you zipped it up, you kneaded it, and you laid it down, and you let it work some more. Paul said that things, we know that all things, not just good things, not necessarily bad things, but everything works. It's all working. But you've got to have the right ingredients. If I took that little starter, that little batch of friendship bread, and I'd opened it up and poured vinegar and salt in it, zipped it up, squeezed it, and laid it back down, I wouldn't have got the same results. Somebody wave at me if you know. I would not have got the same results. you got to have the right ingredients working for you. Okay, so let's say something terrible happens. Now Romans 8.28 is going to apply to us on the count of we're going to put the right ingredients in there. Somebody comes up to me and just lets me have it. Just, I mean, just hurts my feelings, makes me mad, makes me angry. And I just throw some ingredients on that. I just lash out and I gnash back. Or I take the Bible and I just beat them over the head with the Bible. Scripture after Scripture. Come on, we fight with the Word. Unlawfully fight. We unlawfully fight with the Word. We take that Scripture like a baseball bat and try to beat people up with it. Try to prove our points with it. You know what you're going to get in seven days? Vinegar and salt. 
you're not going to get that sweet cake. It's not working for your good. Actually, you've thrown ingredients in there that's working for your harm because you ain't gained nothing. And ain't nothing good coming out of that. You're going to have to go back years later, repent and eat crow and make up. Come on, that's right. However, if we allow God to work, if we allow some patience to work, if we'll allow some time, amen, if we'll allow God to heal us, if we will examine ourselves first, can I tell you that two people cannot argue unless both of them's upset? Unless both of them think they're right? I think I'm right. Pat thinks she's right. We get into a discussion about this. It turns into an argument because she's hard-headed, I'm hard-headed. Not really. <laughs> Not us. You know, just an example. <laughs> that right, Kevin? Can I get a name, man? <laughs> but but now, now all of a sudden there's upsetness comes in because I'm trying to make her hear my side of this point. She's trying to make me understand her side of this point. And we get all upset. And we just start throwing vinegar and salt into that friendship bread. We just start throwing vinegar and salt. Nothing good's going to come of that. All things. Anything can happen. Anything. That's what that all things means. That means anything can happen. Let it work. Let it work. Throw something good inside of that. Throw some patience. Throw some endurance. Throw some, God help us, humility. That we don't always have to be right every time. Oh my goodness. And if we are right, we don't always have to prove our point every time. Come on. Let it work. Let it work. Then it works for our good. Oh my God. And you know where all of it starts with? Self-examination. Every bit of it starts with self-examination. And I'll tell you why. Because you can't have an argument and you don't examine yourself. No, we have arguments or we have upsetness. We get in uh, some kind of upsetness and the very first thing we want to do is start pointing fingers. Pointing fingers out there. They, they, they. See, I've done counseled way too many people. I've done counseled way too much. And they'll both run up to me. I've had kids. You start counseling whenever you become a mama. Both the kids run up. Mama, mama, daddy, uh, she did this. And, he, and she over here is like, and he did that. And this is why. And, and all of a sudden you understand you've got to hear both sides of the story. In order to be honest, in order to be fair, you've got to hear both sides of the story. And you've got to examine motive from both sides. Is that right? But when we ourselves get in a situation, how often do we examine ourselves? I mean the real root of the problem. The real root of the problem. Sometimes somebody, uh, I'll use me as an example because I know me. I was wanting to uh, play guitar, and I was wanting to uh, learn this song, and I was wanting somebody to be, I was wanting my teacher to be so impressed and so proud that I had learned this song, and I had spent three weeks practicing, you know, and I was so, I had built myself up emotionally. <laughs> I had built myself up, you know, not because I was such a wonderful player, but because I was wanting somebody to be proud of me for all the hard work that I had done in learning something new. Can I get a wave or an amen? I go and I play this song. Right? And they're like, wait, you're missing chords. I know, right? I know. 
And I was just like, I mean, I went from just like that. I could not believe it, that all they heard was the faults. They didn't hear the hard work. They didn't hear the effort. They didn't hear the time. They didn't see my sore fingers. They didn't care. All they heard was the mistakes. And I got so mad. At first, it started off hurt. And then it turned into mad. I don't need them anymore. Who cares? <laughs> I just sell my guitar, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I mean, I go all the way with it. I just sell I, I'm useless. I, you know, and, and it all, and not once did I take time until after, you know, I had a spell that I had to take time and say, no, wait a minute, Susie. <laughs> really? Where did all this come from? Did it come from instruction? Or did it come from me? It came from me. It came from inside of me. All that upsetness, Aunt Pat, had nothing to do with this person uh, giving me instruction had nothing to do with that. It came from me building up some kind of wild expectation. It came from me building up some kind of wild emotional high. It came from me. <gasps> Could it have come from me? Self-examination. Yes, we have to examine ourselves. And when we get in situations where our pastor or our uh, counselor or our spiritual Father, mother, maybe your best friend. Come on. Oh, God help it be your spouse. God help it be the person that you're supposed to be equal with. Tell us what to do or show, point out a fault. Amen? <laughs> Amen. But, but we, we, ha we don't examine ourselves. We're like, hmm. But Paul said we know these things. Paul said in order for Romans 8 to work for you, Romans 8, 28, to work for you, then you need to learn this. You need to know this. You need to know that before any upsetness can be turned around where God works it for your good, you've got to have the right ingredients. You've got to be thankful. Oh, my word. Can I tell you, it took me years and even backsliding before I learned that one, how to be thankful in a trial. When, when my, parent, my grandparents passed away, I got furious. Every emotion possible went through me. And I mean, I thought I was a mature, grounded, sound Christian in, in, in faith, called according to his will, out on the field working as hard as I could. And then all of a sudden I began to pray and fast and seek God, knowing that he healed cancer and he didn't. And I got so upset and beside myself. I didn't even see it coming. It was like a tsunami just came in. And somebody had the audacity to ask me, have you considered praising God for taking your grandparents? Why, they was endangering their lives. I know, right? I mean, how could they? How could they even suggest something like that? No, I had not thanked God for taking them. I was kicking and screaming the whole way. Not wanting it to happen. Fasting for days. Trying to get God's attention. Doing everything I knew to do in faith. Trying to reverse this thing. You know? And, and then somebody comes up and says, Have you considered just praising God and letting it go? Oh, my God. You're asking me to let, let my grandparents go. How can I let go? 
no, I can't do it. But you know what? You know how healing came to me? Two or three years later, when I was sitting in a little church one time, and this woman got up to testify about how God had healed her daddy, and I felt anger rising up in me. And I thought, you did it for her, but you wouldn't do it for me? What is that? Is that humility? Is that meekness? Is that humbleness? Or is that pride? I'm just as good as they are. Come on, that's what we're saying. Whether we want to admit it or not, that's exactly what we're saying. <laughs> we think we're something when we're nothing too often. And, uh, and I heard the words. It came ringing back into my remembrance. Sister Lisa, have you thanked God? Oh, oh, oh. And I wrestled with myself there, wrestled with myself. And I thought... Would I be disgracing their memory? Would I be dis would I be letting them go forever? Would what kind of a failure would I be? But I couldn't help myself, and I could feel my hands trembling coming up, because <laughs> I was willing to try anything to get back in the good favor of God. And I remember getting them about right here, and I could feel that surrender coming. Because you can feel the Holy Ghost of God. Hey, I'll tell you, when the Bible says it's like a mighty rushing wind, sometimes it is. I mean, you can hear it coming. And I could feel it, and all of a sudden it just took over, and I raised my hands. And when I got my hands all the way up, and I surrendered to God, there was a healing took place inside of me. <laughs> hey, amen. And I'm telling you that he took God took one of the worst things, the worst tragedies that's ever happened to me in my entire life. And I've had some bad things happen to me, but that had to top it all. It was the worst. Amen. But God worked it for my good, Brother Justin, when I put the right ingredients in there. Hey, amen. When you you do it God's way. We got to know these things, Paul said. For we know, amen. We got to know how to work that thing. We got to know how to cook that cake. We got to know what ingredients to put in that. And you can't put bitterness. You can't put hatred. You can't put jealousy. You can't put pride. All these things are not working for you. They're working against you, amen. And it begins with self-examination. Amen. I tried to examine God for years over how could you, why would you. I tried to examine God, Brother Donald. The Bible, Paul didn't say in the Bible, he didn't say we know uh, all things work toward, uh, for good and we examine God and find out God's reasoning. Sometimes God don't give you a reason why. I mean, sometimes God is silent. We have, that's where faith comes in. That's where knowing the Word and trusting that everything, that God's got everything in His control. I'd never heard that little catchphrase, nothing can touch me that doesn't pass through His hands when I went through that trial. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> I was still thinking that it was left up to me to pray. It was left up to me to fast. It was left up to me to believe. And if they died, it was on my watch. Amen, because that's what I was taught, Lisa. I was taught, I mean, I've been in prayer lines where they'll say, it's not, if you don't get healed, it's your faith, not mine. I've heard preachers say that. It's not on my dime. Yes, actually, it quite is. <laughs> it's all, it, we are a body, amen. We are a body. And just by saying that, we're putting doubt in folk. We're putting fear in folk. My goodness, and condemnation in folk. Hallelujah. What about being accountable for our brother? Accountable for ourselves. Accountable, amen. Self-examine, hallelujah. My God. 
So whenever this tidal wave came, I didn't know what to do. And you know what I did with my little starter? God gave me a starter. I put in vinegar and I put in salt and I put in all these things. And then whenever it come time to bake my cake, it didn't turn out like I thought it would. Have you ever cooked anything that didn't turn out like you thought it would? You saw the picture on the recipe and your mouth just began to salivate. Mm, my goodness, that looks delicious. And then once we get it prepared, we're like, oh, my goodness. I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> you know, I did it exactly. You know, so then we want to blame the recipe. <laughs> I did it exactly like the recipe. Can we come to find out you probably didn't? You put a teaspoon where it said a tablespoon. Or, you, or you, you put one cup where it said two. I mean, seriously. But we can't find no fault in ourselves. Why did that not work? Well, was it the skillet's fault? Hmm. No. <laughs> was it the oven's fault? No. Did I turn it on 350 instead of 550? Well, probably. <laughs> so who's, when we get down to that examination, we have to examine ourselves. And if we want Romans 8.28, for we know, we've got to know it first. All things, not just good things, not just bad things, but all things can work for our good. It can if we what? Let it work, number one. Is that right? Somebody say work. It's got to work. And we talked about, Sister Kathy, about uh, you made friendship bread, right? It's the seven-day bread. Well, working doesn't mean you're up doing something, doing something, trying to make something happen. Sometimes working means you lay it aside and you walk off and leave it. And it's working while you over here doing something else. Let God work. Amen. Let those ingredients mix. Sometimes before we give somebody an answer, do you know how we all want to be real smart and prove it to everybody that how spiritual we are so if they come to us with a question, we have immediately got to have an answer even if it's the wrong one? Sometimes we just got to say, you know what, I'm going to work on that. That's right. Sometimes we got to work on it. Sometimes what we got to do is lay that same thing right here. We don't understand it right now, but we're going to pray about it. And we're going to read and we're going to cross-reference and we're going to study. Amen. And then we're going to come back. We got to allow it to work. Hallelujah. I tell you, I feel good about Romans 8. Is that right? I feel good about it. I feel good that we know all things work together. It's not just the bad situation is going to, God's just going to come and pick that bad situation up and just flip it right over and it worked for our good. That bad situation has got to have some prayer. That bad situation's got to have a right response. That bad situation's got to have the right ingredients mixed with it because it's working together. Just flour ain't going to give you a cake. Just milk ain't going to give you a cake. Just eggs ain't going to give you a cake. You've got to have all the ingredients, the right ingredients, mixed together, working in our favor, amen, for our good. Now you know what I got? For those two or three years that I walked around miserable and full of hate and full of strife, that worked nothing in nobody. 
It didn't work nothing good in me. It didn't work nothing good in anybody I come in contact with. It didn't work nothing good in the churches that I attended. Nothing. But when I got the right ingredient, when I got my praise, amen. That's what Brother Matter was talking about this morning. He said, can you lead somebody in praise? Can you lead somebody in prayer? When I begin to thank God, amen, for even the bad situations. When I begin to self-examine and see that it wasn't God's fault, it was mine that I was walking around feeling like this. Amen. When you self-examine exactly what role did I play in this misery? Because every one of us has a part we play in our own misery. We have a part we play in our own sorrow. We have a part we play. Self-examine. What am I doing wrong? Not what are you doing wrong. Why are you making me mad? Why are you making me hurt? Why are you making me feel this way? What am I doing? What can I do differently to mix in this batter to get a good outcome? Come on, somebody. I need you to raise your hands right now. Hallelujah. Because this is preaching this morning. Hallelujah. I may be talking to myself, Kevin. I don't know. But this is good this morning. It's what came to me when we was singing that song and when we was ministering in prayer and we was reaching out to God, hallelujah, that Romans 8, 28 can work for every one of us this morning. There may be some area in your life where you're dis discomforted. There may be some area in your life where you're just totally uncomfortable and you're unhappy or you're sorrowful or you're miserable, amen, and God's saying, I've got the key, hallelujah, this morning, amen. But we got to, number one, we got to understand that God ain't a heavenly bellhop, that we don't just make a mess and God flips it over and turns it into something something beneficial. I'll tell you, we got to get an examination on our inside. You know what I just thought of, Kevin? I thought about if I go out here and I go on a vacation and, and, and it's all well and good and I come back in seven days and my house is burnt to the ground. The very first thing, that's not working in my good. Is that right? That's something terrible has come upon me. And the, the fire marshal comes out. The fire, sorry, fire. Fire marshal comes out. The very first thing he does is he looks at that house and I run up to him and say, don't worry about it, brother. God's going to work this for my good. Don't, don't, I, don't, I don't need you to examine anything. I don't need you to look to see if there is any faulty wiring. I don't need you. I, you know what? God's got this. He's going to work this out. Well, let me tell you something. Insurance company ain't going to give you no benefits. <laughs> No, the insurance company ain't going to restore you all that that the fire just robbed from you. The insurance company ain't going to benefit you one bit. All those premiums that you've been paying, <laughs> hallelujah, your whole life savings gone up in smoke. Can I tell you, the enemy can come in and with one swift poof, everything that you've invested in God can be gone. Oh, yes, it can. Hallelujah. And we're just going to trust God and say, hey, you know what? I don't, need no, I don't need no evaluation. I don't need no inspection. Can I tell you the very first thing whenever I got sick with cancer, the very first thing I did is I began to examine Susie. That's right. What have I ate? What have I drank? What have I consumed? What kind of air pollution have I been in? Or could I have sinned? God help me. I began to repent. Of it. I mean, I wanted to get myself clean. I did some evaluation, amen, so that my insurance policy that I've been paying premiums on ever since I was 17 years old would kick in and stand up for me and restore some things. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to do that. 
we got to get these scriptures right. We can't just half-heartedly throw them out, not understanding them. And expect a dividend. Expect God to just jump up and run down from heaven and come to our rescue. (laughs) Glory to God. But I do believe, Paul said, we know. I believe we've known some some stuff this morning. Amen. I believe we know some stuff this morning. Glory to God. We know that all things, everything the devil has thrown at me, hallelujah, can be turned around. Somebody say, turn it around, Jesus. Turning around. Anything that maybe I have done towards myself, Papa, that I didn't understand, glory to God, that I just, uh, uh, in my flesh, I run off at the mouth or, or I created some situations with some people, amen. Hallelujah, it don't matter what it is, all things can be turned around, amen. I need somebody to raise your hand right now and say, turn it around for me, Jesus. Whether the devil meant this for my harm or whether I've created this mess on my own, I'm asking you, God, turn it around. If I begin to examine myself this morning, if I begin to see if I'm in the faith, if I begin to examine to see if there's anything that I could do differently, amen. Turn it around, Jesus. Turn it around for me this morning. Glory to God. I'm needing some help. I'm needing a lifeline. I'm in over my head. Glory to God. There's one thing we could take from the apostle Peter. Uh, Whenever he got out on the water and he began to sink, he began to look at the storm. He began to look at the situation. And the waves was over his head. Glory to God. And the very first thing that happened is he began to sink. Sometimes when things are going on around me, I can tread water for a little while. Come on now. I mean, I can fight for a little while but then I start getting tired then I start getting weary then I start looking at the situations and realizing they're bigger than me amen they're bigger than me and I begin to start getting littler and littler and I begin to start sinking maybe I sink in my faith maybe I sink in my, my doctrine I'm not sure but I feel myself sinking amen I think of Peter when he cried out save me Lord save me from my ignorance save me from false doctrine save me from false teaching amen save me Lord and he's there hallelujah he turned it around for Peter he turned it around for him amen but you know what Peter had to do and I think he did it real quick like too he began to examine himself wait a minute I'm not buoyant I sink come on somebody do you feel like you're in a situation and you realize that you're sinking. <laughs> All you got to do is just get the right ingredients. Amen. Stop trying to work it out on your own. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Do some self-examination. Amen. See if you're where you're supposed to be in faith. See if you're saying the right things. Maybe God's telling you not to say anything at all. There was a time I was in church and the Lord gave me a word and I stood up and, and I just testified. For about 10 minutes. <laughs> I just testified what God had gave me. And I felt real good about it. I mean, it was a solid word. You could feel the Holy Ghost anointing it. But somebody didn't like it. <laughs> I sat down. And this older preacher, I mean, he was probably late 60s, 70s, I don't know. He was a mature man of God. Well respected in the community where I was at. Stood up and, I mean, come against me like you would not believe. I mean, hurtfully, hurtfully. I'm telling you, y'all older ladies need to teach these younger women where their place is and how they need to keep their seat and keep their mouth shut in the house of God. 
There's no place for it. Oh, can I tell you? Yeah! In front of the church, a big church. <laughs> There's probably a hundred folk there. And I had felt so good about what I had said that it was so solid, Justin. And it was the Word of God, and I just really believed it was going to help some folk. And it did. It helped me more than it helped anybody else. Because I was just, I mean, normally I would have stood up and just defended myself. Wait just a second. <laughs> but God got me. I mean, whenever I, and the preacher winded me. I mean, he sucker punched me, knocked the breath right out of me. I couldn't say nothing if I'd wanted to because I was just going, <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking around thinking, oh, God. I mean, he lowered me down to, like, insect level. Yeah, it was just so embarrassing, so embarrassing. But God immediately spoke to me. He was still rattling on about something, you know. But God spoke to my spirit, spoke to my mind, spoke to my heart. And he said, Susie, don't be offended. All he can do is come against your gender, come against your flesh. He can't say one thing about the word you just said. And he didn't. He, he couldn't. There was no fault in the word. All he could find fault in was my gender. And, and if that's all he can find fault in, then let him pick away. Right? But it still hurt. It still hurt real bad. But you know what? I could have took that negative situation and been justified in defending myself. I could have felt very justified in defending myself. But I didn't. I allowed God to fight my battle. And you know what it did? I can't tell you how many people after that service was over came up to me, one after the other after the other. Susie, I enjoyed what you said. Susie, please don't let this offend you. So that you, And I'm like, it can't offend me to the point of quitting. I ain't got no quit in me. I didn't start it. I can't stop it. <laughs> Is that right? It witnessed and it ministered to the people who saw it. A right spirit, a right attitude doing the right thing, it baked a big old cake, Sister Kathy. It baked a big old cake that I didn't have the ingredients right then to put in. But God did. I mean, all I could have added to that little uh, starter, to that little bag, was just foul because I was hurt. But God added the right ingredients, and it worked out for the good. That man never apologized to me. He's gone on to meet his maker. And he'll stand before God one day and he'll give an account of everything he said and done. And I will too. That's the thing of it. I will too. I self-examined. And God told me, you didn't do anything wrong. He can't come against the word. And if, and if he can change my gender, that old preacher, if he can change my gender, go at it. It'd make it a lot easier for me. <laughs> but he can't. God made me exactly what he wanted me to be. He gave me something exactly like he wanted to give me. Amen. And so now that fellow's going to take it up with God. But it worked something. Amen. Not just in me. It gave me a testimony of overcoming, of victory. And I didn't have to lift a finger. I didn't have to say a word. God did it for me. Amen. Is that right? Yes, he did. But you know what? Not only did it work something good for me, I can't tell you how many people in that church that I thought that I was so embarrassed that they were there to hear this. I was embarrassed in myself. But you know what? It worked something in them too. Every one of them, it worked something in them. So we're going to take Romans 28. We're going to say, for we know, we know that all things work 
together for good to the called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. He has a purpose for us this morning. We know that we're called of God and we know that bad things are going to happen, whether it's the enemy or whether God's doing something th through us and for us. Amen. But if we got the right ingredients, if we hold our peace and allow God to work, amen, we've got to... That was what the Lord showed me, and then I'm coming to a close. Is That's what the Lord showed me when, this morning when I was sitting there and we were praising Him. It said, if I had a thousand lives to live, I'd give them all to the Lord. For He's made the good times outnumber the bad. Do you know how He makes the good times outnumber the bad? By taking the bad times and turning them into something good. <laughs> by taking the bad times and turning them into something good. And some of the hardest battles that I've been through in my life, when I finally put the right ingredients in that bag, God turned it out to something good. God turned it out to something that it was beneficial, that I could eat off of. And then not only could I eat off of, I hope these experiences that I tell you helps you to eat off of it. Amen? And, and feel free to take these very experiences in your ministering and your teaching or your counseling and use it. Because the Word of God said, you freely receive, you freely give. This bread of life, amen, ain't just for me. It's for me and my generation and my generation's generation and the generation after that. Amen. That's the way that works. Glory to God. That's why we're a body and we're all fit together. Glory to God. Working for one purpose. Hallelujah. And that's to take them bad things and show the world that God can take a negative and turn it into a positive if we have the right spirit, if we have the right ingredients, if we have what the right, the right, uh, 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 I guess ingredients is the right word I'm looking for, that we can make something sweet, that we can make something beneficial. Amen. Glory to God. Sister Lacey, you want to come and, uh, are you, and close till Brother Metter gets here? Praise God. Sister Susie, was, the Spirit of God was just right on this morning. Everything that she brought out, she brought it out in a different manner exactly as to, uh, but it's the same things the Lord has been dealing with me on, and I love it when His Spirit confirms His Word. And Brother John's getting ready to come and bring us the Word this morning, and before he does, I want us to just take a minute and think about what Sister Susie has ministered this morning. And I want us to think about who Jesus is in our lives. That's what she was bringing it back to, the reality of who the risen Christ is. Are you thinking about what she talked about this morning? Are you pondering that? Are you letting it settle in this morning? Let that word settle into your spirit this morning. Let's take that with us as we go this week. Let's take that with us. I know all week the Lord's been dealing with me. And uh, Sister Kathy and, and I have, have texted back and forth about a few things, we are doing a devotional together, and the Lord has just so stirred my spirit about the carnal mind. We know the Word tells us that the carnal mind is enmity against God. We know that. And I began to see how many times that I have limited the Spirit of God in my life, and how many times. And I, I read one today, that it just a, a phrase that really struck with me. It says, we reach to Jesus as our sympathizer and as our comforter. 
But we don't look to him as the almighty God to whom all things are possible, right? And so where all things work together for our good, right? And we got to know him as the almighty God. That's how we got to know him, that with him all things are possible. And we look within ourselves, we by our very nature of human beings. We look within ourselves to solve our own problems. We look within ourselves as to our own resources and we forget to look outside ourselves. Go get the right ingredients. We don't have the right ingredients. We got the salt and vinegar because that's who, as, as human nature, this carnal man that we are, but when we reach to him, the oil and the wine is what comes in and it brings that healing. How deep is that well in you of hurt today? How deep is that? Mine was deeper than what I knew, Sister Susie. I've been letting God, I thought, work on me for years and years, but you know, it takes him to bring it to your attention one more time. It takes him to bring it to you and then you got to submit and face it one more time. I don't want to open that door that hurt again. I don't want to because it hurts. But when I, oh, it just makes you harden up your heart. And I don't want to be that way. And I had to get real and do self-examination. I had to get real. And I had, you know, that old fire, you talk about that fire, but you know, we really had one. Do you know I still got hurt from that? I can't believe it. That was 10 years. No, it was 2003. What, 14 years ago. I need more healing. I couldn't believe it. But there's other things in there too. Ministry, things in the past. Family members. I thought I had matured enough to where I just water off a duck's back. But you know what? When you do water off a duck's back in your own self, you get a hard heart. But when you let it roll off by the Spirit of God, you know the saying, water off a duck's back, because they got that oily, their feathers are made with a right thing that causes water to roll off of them. But when you try to do it in yourself, you just become old cracked hard ground that water rolls off of. But when you do it by the Spirit, it's that right combination on those feathers and it, doesn't, it, it just rolls off your back and it doesn't hurt you. Those hurts. It takes that oil of the Spirit to do that. So I encourage you, look, if I could stand here, if Sister Susie could talk about her hurts and I could stand here and talk about mine, and I know pastor's got him too. He's just, you know, doesn't express things the same way that, that we do. Others do. Everybody's got their, their thing, their way. But I'm telling you, if I've got them, then I know you got them. Don't be afraid of it. Man, I can't tell you how hard I've had to work to get that break today. I've had to work and work and submit. And keep thinking I was submitting. Keep thinking I was, let, I was trying to let his spirit work in me, Sister Kathy. I was trying. But my old will, my old hard heart, my hurts, whatever, they were there, they were there, they were there. But, oh, in his mercy, he did not leave my soul in hell. He did not. And he brought that deliverance. For this situation, for whatever this area, that the time that he wants to do it, he brought it to me today. That working of his spirit, and I'm getting ready to give it to pastor, but I'm telling you, I want us to change the way we reach to the spirit of God. Shake it up. Mix it up. I've had to do, I had to learn a different, I can't do a, a cross and an upper. 
I had to change my punch. I had to change my punch. You ever, maybe not, but if you ever learn any mixed martial arts and those things, you got punch combinations. I had to change it up because he was, he was used to dodging it. The enemy was used to it. He knew my combination. So I mixed it up. A little unfamiliar to me at first. But I got the flow of it now, buddy. I clocked him. <laughs> the Spirit of God did. Crack that glass jaw. Mix it up. Come on. Let the Spirit of God break that hardness on your heart. Do what you got to do to get there. Whatever it takes. He will not leave your soul in hell. He will not leave your soul in hell. He will bring you out. He will not let your flesh suffer corruption. You hold on to the Word of God. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking directly to you. You hold on right now. You hold on to the Spirit of God. You do not be dismayed. You do not be swayed. You listen. We are fighting with you. And the enemy's trying to take you out, and you know it, and you're scared. He's not going to take you out. And you hold on just like our Lord did. The Lord told us to declare his kingdom, and this is part of it. You hold on. He will not leave your soul in hell. And he will not suffer you to see corruption. It's not going to happen. The devil's a liar. He, you think he's corrupting your flesh, your carnal, that has no power over the Spirit of God that is in you. You keep fighting. You feel like you're going under. You feel like your fingernails are coming down the wall, scratching, holding on. But you are only going under for him to save you. You're only going under like Peter did for him to lift you up. That's what you're doing. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, don't listen to the lies that the devil is telling you. Get your head in that Word of God. Get your mind in that Word of God. And you don't listen. You don't look at that storm around you. Don't try to explain it. Don't try to understand it. Keep your eyes right on him. He's bringing you out. He's bringing you out. He will not let you go under. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Amen. I'm telling you. Woo. Man, the Spirit of God is working in us today. That's why I say, I don't know what happened to Pastor. I don't know where he went. But anyway, that's why I say, reach in a different way and let that Spirit of God, please, through your prayer in the week, when we come in these services, shake it up. Find that way and hold on. Look, it's not always the same way. He wants to teach us something different. You know, maybe he wants us to use a different kind of yeast. I don't know. You know, who knows? But anyway, y'all just reach out this morning. Let's stand. And let's welcome our pastor this morning as he... I can feel it. Yes. And uh, Lisa, I want you to pull up that prophecy from New Year's Eve. Uh, let's go ahead and go to prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, let it be that above anything else, your will be done. Give us direction. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge and understanding. 
of your word and the working of your spirit. And we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all go ahead and be seated. Man, I feel the Spirit of God on me so strong I'm shaking. There is a power in this place today. And yes. All right. And I've what I've done, I've printed this prophecy out from New Year's Eve, and I'll give you the background on it. The Lord told me to gather pastors in my home over New Year's Eve that did not know the revelation of this kingdom that I have preached here. And so there was, I guess, five uh, pastors that I gathered in my living room. As we were discussing the Word of God, this is what God spoke. We caught it on cell phone as clear as it can be played. And most of these words, I mean, I might have missed a word here or there, but I'm going to tell you something. The power of God stepped in that place is unbelievable. God has done something. God has done something. As soon as they get it ready, I want uh, Justin to play it. And I want you all to listen to this. And I want you to take these words and read them because I'm going to exhort on them and I'm going to go on into something God's put in my spirit. All right. Just take the microphone put up to it if we can't do anything else. every word and right there at the end but I want you to hear this and I want to put it down on paper because God is moving us into something new there's something new working in the spirit of God and this is what the Lord told me 
He said, I've taken you into a different knowledge and depth and understanding of the Word. He said, than you've ever had. He said, this even goes beyond what I revealed at Pentecost. And I began to meditate on the Lord. And he said, before I poured the Holy Ghost out on the day of Pentecost, he said, I spent days after my resurrection instructing my disciples in things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He said, this knowledge and wisdom and understanding of my word I'm revealing, he said, this is instruction just before I pour out a new measure of the Holy Ghost. He said, because if you don't understand what you're entering into, you can't manifest it. You got to understand what you're entering into or you won't know how to reveal it and manifest it. He said, I taught them men. I taught my disciples in that upper room. He said, I taught them what was fixing to happen, how to yield to it, and how to manifest it. But Kevin, I want you to stand up. Lord just spoke to me about you when I walked out here. Lord fixing to change your life, son. I mean, he fixed, they're, they're fixing me an act of God. You've gone as far as you can go. You don't know what else to do. You've come to the end of your faith. And God's... I destroyed this pressure off his mind. I command a peace over these finances and over these powers and pressures of life to come into him. And I command a working of the Spirit of God that's going to set him afire. This day, my son, I hid the enemy off. This day I awaken my word and my spirit in thy life. And this day thy life takes a change. For thou art my vessel. I have called and ordained thee before the foundation of this world. Before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew thee. Before thou camest out, I had called thee, ordained and anointed thee to go forth in my calling to speak my word. And today, the word of God comes alive. And I am in thy mouth. Speak my word and doubt not. For a great spirit of prayer and unction of my word does take thee over from this day forward. Oh, Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Tell you something, God's in this place. There's a power in this place. Hallelujah. I said, there's a power. I don't know if it's me or if it's just hot in here, but I'm burning. Hallelujah. Can y'all feel this? God is taking us into a realm. God is taking us into a place. Hallelujah. That we've never walked in. There is a new ministry coming forward. When God done what he done in your mama, the name of Jesus was on the back burner. But God started bringing something forward in her. And it was new and it was different. Just like it was new and it was different then, what God's doing now is fixing to be new and different. It's fixing to be new and different. I'm telling you, it's fixing to be new and different. Hallelujah. Glory. You remember what I told you I saw in the Spirit last week when that person kept reaching out with that prize? 
And every time he'd reach out that prize, it's like somebody'd step in between. That's what the enemy's doing to you. He's trying to distract you. He's trying to put you under condemnation, put you under a yoke of discouragement and depression. And you just, sometimes you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to do it. You just want to throw your hands up and just say, God. And that's about where you are right now. But I'm all the hands on something new's coming in here. The spirit of this word, those of y'all that want this right here that I just played, you get up here and get in the line behind says, Kathy, I'm fixing to lay hands on you. You got it, son. <laughs> I'm telling you, something come in you. Can y'all feel this? Can y'all feel the... Whoa! A change that you've never had. The, the very thing your heart's been crying out for that the devil's told you you can't accomplish because you're bound to this job. It falls on you and fills you. In the name of Jesus, I speak the working of the Spirit. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I feel it. It's breathing. Mm. It breathes. It breathes. It breathes. It breathes. My God, I see like a block on your mind. The devil's been trying to rob you of the Word. He's been trying to rob you of the working of the Spirit of God. It's like a, a block's been put on your mind. But my God, I see like a dynamite charge going off. And I see it exploding. And that dam that's held back to work. God, just, oh! My God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. A revelation. Oh, my God. Of the newness of God. A revelation of the new things of God. My God, God opens your understanding. Everything I preach in this church from July the 5th, 2015, comes, comes, oh, it comes alive in you. It comes alive in you. It comes alive in you. My God, can y'all feel this? Whoa, hallelujah. Whoa, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Open this kingdom to him. Open this kingdom to him. Open this kingdom to him, Lord. He's hungry. He wants it. He wants to know. He searches. He asks. He knocks. He seeks. And the enemy has come in like a flood to hinder the working of the Spirit of God. And you said when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a... The standard's lifted up. The standard's lifted up for you. God turns things in your favor. And that's thus saith the Lord. Ha, yeah, Oh, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everything's fixing to change. I'm talking about ministry-wise, word-wise, anointing-wise, prayer-wise. Prayer I, I, I see something on the inside of you like a whirlwind. Only it's going this way. And it's just turning. Hallelujah. I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. When was growing up, they had a cartoon about the Tasmanian devil. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That thing just spin. Well, it's fixing to spin. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I command you to hear with new ears. I command you to see with new eyes. And I command you to understand with a brand new spirit. 
enters into you, enters into you, enters into you. And the life of the Word and the, the enlightenment of the Scripture. My God, it's like you've been seeing through a glass darkly and it comes off of you right. <laughs> My God, hallelujah. My Lord, man, the Lord's in this place. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, a spirit of prayer, a spirit to study, a spirit to seek the face of God comes on you, my sister. God's taking you into a new dedication, into a new place. Never has the hunger to seek God taken you over. Oh, I, I, I'm talking about quickly, 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 speedily. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Tell y'all, we getting a visitation. Y'all feel this? We getting a visitation. Take glass off, son. We getting a visitation. You ain't never seen your life change, brother. I'm telling you, it's like that. God's changing you. The Word's going to start coming alive. Everything God's been dealing with you about. Uh, there's things you understand. There's things you don't understand. God's been talking to you about, but He's fixing to make it clear. Just like that. Just like that. Baha. Whoa, whoa, nay. Don't let the enemy tell you you're done. Man, you ain't even got started yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the vehicle rota ba In oh in Jesus' name. In G oh a newness. God, this word, this unction, this anointing. Oh hi, yeah, hi, eh. Reveal it in him, Lord. Turn loose of the old, son. Turn loose of the old. This is not the old. This is not the old shout. This is not the old tongues. This is not the old working of my spirit. But this is the new. When I, the Christ, will step down inside of thee, and I shall impregnate thee with my nature, and ye shall begin to put on you shall begin to put on my mind. You shall begin to put on my spirit. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Don't remember the things of old. Remember not the things of old. Don't consider them. Don't consider the old ways. Don't consider the old paths. Remember them not. For behold, I God do a new thing, and I do a new thing in thee to bring. Oh, whoa! For if he shall hearken to my voice, spring shall not have come. To the fire of evangelism shall burn in thy soul, and it shall be. Yea, as my servant Jeremiah. Yea, he held back and he said, I will not speak uh, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord brings reproach. Uh, the word of the Lord brings tribulation. Uh, the word of the Lord brings warfare. Uh, the word of the Lord uh, brings a fight against my body and my mind. Uh, but my worship is fire. Shut up in thy bones that you can't contain it, said Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. <laughs> My God, he's here. Can y'all say he's here? He's here. Hallelujah. Man, the Lord is strong in this place. 
But you know, the Bible said the Lord is strong in the behalf of His people. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know the Lord is strong in the behalf of His people? And there's one place, it says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Does it not? Looking for His people. Looking for His people. Somebody, He can put His Spirit in His Word in to be strong. Hallelujah. Well, again, here we are, and I don't have my scriptures marked. <laughs> We're going to Matthew 24. Man, I appreciate the Lord today. Now, I'm fixing to get into some things that y'all better hang with me. <laughs> I said, huh? <laughs> I got one verse of scripture I'm going to read here in Matthew 24. Y'all there with me? Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. Y'all see that? It shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. Hallelujah. Acts, first chapter. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, there's just a hover in the Spirit of God in this place. Man, it's like a power. I mean, there's just something hovering. Let me tell you something. When God hovers like this, if you let it come in, He'll do something in you. This will work a work in you. Y'all think God just hung this out in the air for some place to put it? <laughs> God didn't hang this out in the air for some place to put His Spirit. When God anoints like this, He does it for a reason. Every time you feel the Spirit of the Lord come on you, it's for a reason. It ain't just to hang out in the air. It ain't just so you can feel good. You know, Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. And then he turned around and named about five or six things the Lord had anointed him to do. When the Spirit of the Lord comes in like it is here, there's an anointing. Amen? There's an anointing. And it will benefit you. You may be listening to what I'm saying, but this can impart wisdom, this can impart strength, this can impart understanding. Are you with me? Because the Spirit of the Lord, when it comes in and anoints, it has a purpose. There's a reason for what God does. There's a reason for what God does. And I'm in Acts, the first chapter. Some of y'all probably know where I'm going. But I'm going to verse 8 if I can get there. And this is Jesus talking. But ye shall receive power... After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now go with me to Hebrews, the second chapter. You with me there? One of you, two of you, all of you, part of you. All right, fourth verse. 
God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. What did God do? He bore them witness. When you witness, or you are a witness at a trial, or you witness or testify about something, it's because you have knowledge of it. You've either seen something or experienced something, or you have a knowledge of it. Are y'all with me? So what God asked me this week, He said, where is my people's witness? Where's your witness? He said this gospel of the kingdom must first be preached in the whole world for a witness to all nations. That don't mean you go out there and tell them Jesus saved them. The gospel of the kingdom is a gospel of power, authority, and dominion. And everywhere Jesus went and preached it, there was miracles, there was healing, there was deliverance. Great multitudes came. He cast out devils, healed the sick, raised the dead, healed the lunatic, the maimed. In other words, there was a witness that God was with him. Are y'all with me? There was a witness. So when he said here in Matthew 24 and 14, he said, this gospel of the kingdom... Not the gospel of repentance, not the gospel of salvation. The gospel of the kingdom, which brings authority and dominion and power over every demon, every situation, and every circumstance has got to be preached. And when it's preached, I'm going to bear it witness. I'm going to bear it witness. I'm going to bear it witness. Amen? I'm going to bear it witness. What did he tell them in Mark 16? Let me get there. Mark 16. In verse 15. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost running up and down the avenues of my soul. Woo! Mighty God. Hallelujah. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Y'all see this? He told the believers, these signs ought to follow you. There ought to be enough of them. The Spirit of Christ in every one of us to heal the sick. I don't expect just lay people or people that aren't called to ministry. I don't expect you to have notable miracles. 
Because when you read the book of Acts, the notable miracles really was done by the hands of the apostles. But he said, every believer, you'll be able to cast out the devil. You'll be able to heal the sick. If you get in the place like Paul did, where that serpent comes out of that fire, grabs hold of your hand, the power shake him off. He didn't tell you what to put one in the box and go have a show. He just said, if it comes down to it, you shall take up serpents. And if, not when, but if somebody tries to poison you and you drink any deadly thing because of my name and my word, he said, they ain't going to hurt you. He said, you're going you're gonna to speak in new tongues, new languages. God's taking us into something new. God's taking us into a place. I'm telling y'all, there's a new ministry, there's a new anointing, there's a new word, there's a new power. Because 90% of people that are going to church right now, they're stuck in a form and you can't get them out of it. They just want to sing, they want to shout, they want somebody to preach them happy, and then we'll go home and feel good about themselves. And there ain't no power, there ain't no authority, there ain't no dominion, there ain't no working of the kingdom, there ain't no prayer life. Because I'm going to tell you something, you really start praying and seeking God, there's a hunger going to rise in you. There's a desire that want to know the true and the living God's going to take hold of your heart when you get in prayer. Are y'all hearing me? So here we are that God is asking, where's your witness? Where's your witness? How do people know that Christ is being formed in you? What are they seeing out of you? What's being manifest in your life? Well, when that brother met her, I can, I, I can testify good in church. <laughs> Worry about how you can testify in church. Well, brother met her, I can talk in tongues. Tongues does not witness that Christ is in you. I'm fixing it in what the Spirit of Christ really is. I'm fixing it in what spirit of truth really is. You need to ask yourself, where's my witness? Where is my witness? Because those people that he baptized on the day of Pentecost, they bore witness that he was living in them, that he was taking his abode. They bore witness. They bore witness. But today the only witness people can name that they have of the Holy Ghost is tongues. And that's sad. That's sad. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's only three places in the Scripture where Jesus spoke in tongues. He didn't run around speaking in tongues every time he felt the Spirit of the Lord come on him. If he had, been talking in tongues all the time. Because <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord stayed pretty well with him. Amen. Are y'all following with me? So, we need to and if you want to know where Jesus spoke in tongues, I think it's when he went to raise Jairus' daughter. I believe that's when it was. Uh, I, think, yeah, I think it was Talithkuma when he said, Arise, or made arise. And he said, Epata, which is be opened. And then when he hung on the cross, he cried out, Eli, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Those were tongues of the Spirit. Because you can't break that down in Hebrew. <laughs> Believe me, I tried. <laughs> can't break that down in Hebrew. So that's only three times, or the Greek, whatever, 
That's the only three times he spoke in tongues. He didn't run out speaking in tongues. It's like me and my wife was talking one day, and, and she said, you know, the Lord told me, or started dealing with me, he didn't need a set-up man. I said, what? He said, every time we get ready for God to use us, he said, we got this big demonstration. <laughs> we got the tongue roll. We got the jerk. We got the shout. We got the tongues. In other words, we got to set the atmosphere for God to move. God spoke to her and said, I am the atmosphere. I don't need a tongue roll. I, I don't need a jerk. I don't need a shout. I, I don't need something to set the stage I, for me to move. I, he said, I am the atmosphere. I, oh, mighty God. I, I am the atmosphere. I, I've seen people call people out and stand there and talk to them and talk to them and uh, tell them this and uh, talk about this and talk about that. And finally, one day, I was watching somebody do it. I said, my God, are you going to pray for them or are you going to talk them to death? <laughs> sitting at the line with the light red waiting for the light to turn green you're sitting there revving the motor y'all know what I'm talking about we think God has to have a setup, man God is the atmosphere he is the anointing he is the word he is the power he don't need the stage set now, I believe in people being reverent to the Spirit of the Lord. And I believe there's things God does that He brings His Spirit in and gets people's attention. But God don't need you to get in a form for Him to move. Now, I've seen preachers every time they minister, they minister the same way. Are y'all listening to me? Let me tell you something. When I minister to you, I'll just walk to you and say, Stand up. <laughs> and I don't go through a preliminary. I don't go through a form. I just lay hands on you and God says, pow, there it is. There it is. God does it. Why? I'm not going to get bound in form. I'm not going to get bound in doctrine. I'm going to get bound in tradition. And people need to turn loose of all this doctrine, of all this tones, of all this tradition, all of, uh, uh, turn loose of everything they call the Holy Ghost and let God begin to teach you by His Word and His Spirit, what the true Spirit of Christ truly is. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm fixing to get some deep water right here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Y'all going to truck with me today? <laughs> I said, y'all going to truck with me today? You know, I put... On page two, I put a lot of definitions. How God bore witness with signs, wonders, and miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost. I tried to tie all the scriptures together. The word confirming means to uh, stabilitate. When God confirms the word, He makes it stable. And I was in a little town called Fife, Alabama, and I remember it well. It was in 1995, and I was in a tent revival. And I don't know whether this was four before, because on July the 4th, 1995, I lost a tent to a tornado in that town. Tent blew down. I mean, got hit by a tornado. 
And I lost about seven, eight thousand dollars worth of equipment time you can blink an eye. And so they were building a block building just about five hundred feet from where I had the edge of the tent and the tornado took it out and hit my tent and but my tent just it gone. That wind got up under and it was gone. And I wasn't there and I was on my way to the tent because People they care the tent called me and told me the weather was bad and I was, I got in the van and I started out there and before I got there he called me and said, Brother Meadow, we lost it. I said, What? He said, Tent's gone. And when I got there, there was a, a lady and her husband there and another man, his wife there, and they had tried to hold the tent by holding on to it. I said, You don't ever do that. I said, Either God's gonna take care of it or he ain't. And she they was all under the tent praying, trying to hold on the tent, the quarter pole come loose. Hit her across here and broke her arm. And I prayed prayer faithful right there. And God healed that broke arm right there. I mean, you tell it's broke, you could see it. I'm surprised it didn't come through the skin. But God healed her right there, and she knew God had healed her. And during that meeting, like I said, I can't remember if before this tornado or after, but I was getting ready to take service one night, and I heard the voice of the Lord ask me a question. He said, what is... The witness of the gospel. And I just thought and I scratched my head and I was, I was thinking and I, I had gone out. They introduced me and I went on out and took the platform. Just I walked up on the platform and told the Lord, I said, I don't know. I can't give you a, a definitive answer right now what the witness of the gospel is. So as I was exhorting Sister Susie, the Lord spoke to me. He said, the miracles. He said, there's no other gospel outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the miracles and the resurrection of the dead like this gospel of Christ has. And he gave me that scripture in Hebrews 2. said, God bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and miracles and diverse gifts of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord spoke to me then. He said, the miracles bear witness that I'm alive and living in my people. He said, I am being formed. Did you know Paul said, My little children, of whom I travail in birth, until Christ be formed in you again. It is time to get Christ formed in us. I, I ain't going to argue with you about what you think you got in the Holy Ghost. I ain't going to argue with you about what God's gifted you, how God's anointed you. I'm just telling you as a whole, we are not bearing witness that Christ is living in us. Can't argue with it. I'm not criticizing. We can't bear witness of it. We can't bear witness of it. Brother Matter, have you had miracles? Yeah. Healings? Yeah. But I want more. I'm after something more. I'm after something more. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start here and uh I think it's on hang on, let me get with you. It's on page three. Hang on, I'll have to find it. The scriptures are on page three. I'll find them. Hang on. Two, three. No, they ain't on three. Okay. Four. Starting at the top of page four. Luke 141. 
And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Y'all see that? All right, let's go to Luke 167. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Okay, there's that one. Uh, I thought I had a couple of more. Hang on. Uh, back at the bottom of 3, Luke 1, 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither strine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And this was speaking about John the Baptist. All right, now there's three scriptures right there that talk about people being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, do we believe the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Christ? Are y'all with me? We believe it's the Spirit of Christ. So how did these people get filled with the Holy Ghost or get filled with the Spirit of Christ when the Christ had not yet come? That gets your attention? How did they get filled with the Holy Ghost? Which we know is the Spirit of Christ. When Jesus had not yet become the Christ. <laughs> Are y'all with me? And if you go on down on page 4, I even put down there, and 4 and 1, and it says Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Because when he got baptized by John, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Are y'all hanging in here with me? <laughs> I got you. If I got your wheels turning, and then you go on over to Acts 10, 38, and Peter was preaching, and he said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Okay, now... I'm fixing to tell y'all something, and y'all don't throw rocks at me. But the Holy Ghost that was in Elizabeth, John the Baptist, Zechariah, the Holy Ghost Jesus ministered under before his resurrection, is not the Spirit of the Christ. Because the Spirit of the Christ had not been formed yet and had not been given yet. Y'all following with me? On February the 13th, or 16th, 2013, I started out of the office in Fort Payne, Alabama, fixing to head to the platform, and I heard the audible voice of God, Sister Pat, and it spoke to me and said, The Spirit of Christ is the resurrected power of God mixed with the humanity of man. I remember well, I was locking the door on the office. The Lord spoke that to me. I heard it inside of me audibly. I mean, I heard it. Just Kathy, I unlocked the door, walked back in, sat down at the desk, and I said, Wow, what do you do with that? <laughs> what do you do with that? And I sat there, and I didn't even know what God had told me. But Kevin, I, I, I had no idea. I'd never read nothing like it, never heard nothing like it. Didn't know what God was doing. Didn't know what God was trying to tell me. 
But in about a week, if it was even that long, the Lord took me into a vision, and I saw the different stages of Jesus' ministry. From the, where he started uh, at 30 to start ministering, and I saw many stages of Jesus' life. And everywhere I saw the stages of his life and the Spirit of God move. And I saw the, when I say humanity, I'm not talking about carnality. I'm talking about mercy, love, compassion, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about what is really in man, not the carnal mind. And I saw the humanity and the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost begin to twine together. And I saw like a graph of a spiritual DNA. You ever seen, a, if you study science, or been, you, there, there's a, like a ladder of DNA. It's three or four sides. And they got it made in different colors. But I saw every miracle Jesus done, every trial he went through, every devil he cast out, everything that he had to, to, to do in life and ministry. I saw the Spirit of God and the humanity of that man begin to come, become one. It began to become one until that man, Jesus, became the Christ. Are y'all hearing me? He became one with the Spirit of God. He became one with the Father. And when he went to that cross and went to that grave, and y'all know what I teach happened to him in the pits of hell, and he come out of there and was resurrected, he was the Christ. He was the Christ. But I want to read to you, I want to read something to you, and then I'm going to take you, and all this is in the Gospel of John. And uh, uh, I'm going to Gospel of John, the 7th chapter. Now you're going to have to follow with me, because a lot of you ain't never heard anybody teach like this. And I was sitting at the desk yesterday, and my wife walked in, I said, my God. She said, what? I said, I was just going back over the vision in my mind of the intertwining of the Holy Ghost and the humanity of Jesus. I said, that's going to blow your mind. I said, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> there ain't no way to make this stuff up. Are y'all with me? Boy, I hope y'all listening because y'all sure are quiet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Do what, Sister Pat? <laughs> Have to listen. Okay, all right, I'm in the Gospel of John chapter 7, and I want y'all to go with me to verse 37, and I'm going to show you something. Now, God had to reveal all this to me because I had no idea. I mean, like I said, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Anybody ever quoted that? Any y'all ever quoted, Out of your belly, out of your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water? Y'all ain't never quoted that. Oh, yeah, you have. About every one of you probably have. Y'all sit there and look at me like that and get still like I'm going to try to trap you or something. I'm trying to teach you something. All right, verse 39. But this make he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus 
was not yet glorified. Woo! <laughs> Did I stun you? What the scripture was saying is the spirit of the Christ. The spirit of the man and the Holy Ghost mixed. Which Jesus was becoming the Christ. His spirit had not yet been given. Y'all remember the Lord told me that the Holy Ghost can move on anybody and they can do miracles. Y'all remember that? You go all the way back to the Old Testament. Come all the way back through Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samson. You come all the way down. Those men done great miracles. The Spirit of the Lord come on Samson. He tore a line apart. The Spirit of the Lord came on Samson again. He took jawbone of an ass and waded in among a thousand armed soldiers with swords, spears, and shields and killed a thousand men. But then he went and laid with a harlot had men laying outside the city waiting on him, got up, walked out to the gates of the city, put them on shoulder and walked off with them after just committing fornication. And the Lord, that's when the Lord showed me. He said, my spirit can come on anybody and they can do great miracles. He said, but until my spirit gets in them, he said, they'll never live holy. Till I get in them, that's the reason I've preached for years. There's a difference between the Holy Ghost getting on you and the Holy Ghost getting in you. And there's people that love God. They've been baptized in some form. And I say this for a reason. In some form of the Spirit of Christ or some form of the Spirit of God, but yet that power to overcome sin is not there. People go to church love God. They're told, well, you got the Holy Ghost. You got what it takes to forgive sin. You got what it takes to overcome sin. You got what it takes to get the victory over it. And there's people fight powers. They fight pressures. They fight forces of hell. They live under condemnation. And a lot of them finally just give up and say, God, I can't do it. They're telling me I got what it takes. They're telling me I've got what it takes to overcome sin and I can't do it. I keep fighting this, keep going through this battle. This thing keeps bombarding my mind. I keep failing. I keep falling. I keep repenting. I can't keep, get, I get, keep getting up. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. Shouldn't ought to be that way. And I'm going to tell you, it's because we have not received the right spirit of the Christ taking his abode in here there's something new fixing to come there's something new fixing to come in when those men in that upper room when they got the former rain they got something they got something that the Christ began to be formed in them. They got something they loved not their lives unto death. They got something they walked out and they immediately began to bear witness that something had happened to him. I, they immediately began to have signs and wonders and miracles I, and speak the word of the Lord. I, they chose Stephen to overshadow the deacons of the church. Or, and, and my God, there was such an anointing got on him. He started having healings and miracles I, and him just a deacon. But what was it? The Christ was in him. I, I'm telling y'all the spirit of Christ that we need I, has not yet been given. I, yes, they had a measure of it I, in the former reign. I don't know what we've got, I, but the church of today I, and the church I've been around for 40, 50 years I, has not produced the witness I, of the Holy Ghost. I, they've not produced the witness I, of the Christ. I, he said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, I, you shall receive power. 
power? Uh, where's the power? Uh, where's the power to live holy? Uh, where's the power to cast out devils? Uh, where's the power to bear witness uh, that Christ is in you? Uh, he said, you shall be witnesses of me. Uh, first in Jerusalem, that's your hometown. Uh, and then Judea and Samaria, uh, around the cities. Uh, he said, then I'll send you to the uttermost part of the earth. People won't go everywhere on mission trips. I've done it. I ain't complaining. But when the Lord told me two or three years ago, He said, you don't go unless you're sent forth of the Holy Ghost. He said, if I send you, He said, I'll work miracles. I'll bear with When I went to Canada in May of 2015, either the first or the second night, I come in there preaching again. The first night, man, I opened up on sin. I mean, I opened up on it. A lot of people up there living common law, committing for I'm talking about coming to church, shouting, talking in tongues, committing fornication, not married, just living common law. And I stood up and told them, I said, now your government may recognize common law, your tribe, your Indian culture may recognize it. I said, but God don't recognize it. And God started working miracles. Harder I preached, the more miracles God worked. Harder I cried out against sin, Brother Kevin, the more God revealed himself. Until the last night of the meeting, I was praying for people, and they was getting healed. We started out with about 40 or 50 in a church, and they had to move it to a gymnasium at a school. And I was running over 200 people, and the harder I preached, the more they came. And I was up there preaching against sin. Man, God was anointing people. One lady got healed of cancer. God brought one lady out of a wheelchair with weak limbs. And I was, uh, my wife was standing back there, and, and a young lady walked up to her and says, that man an apostle. She, she said, well, I don't know what do you think. She said, man, the way he's preaching, the way God has sent him in here to set the church in order and preach a solid doctrine. She said, I ain't never heard nobody preach like that. I said, that man's an apostle. And God's bearing the signs of an apostle. God's bearing witness. Are you hearing me? Where is our witness? Where is our witness? Where is our witness? When Jesus said the Holy Ghost had not yet been given because he had not yet been glorified, Glorified, uh, what he was trying to tell people right there uh, is the spirit of the Christ, uh, the, the, the spirit uh, of the Holy Ghost and the man mixed, the humanity of the man mixed. Uh, that's what the Christ is. Uh, that's the spirit we're supposed to have. Uh, that's what we need living on the inside of us. Uh, and I'm fixing to show you that Jesus himself uh, tried to teach us uh, what the Holy Ghost would do when it came. Uh, and there ain't nothing in there about tongues. Y'all gonna hang with me or y'all gonna jump ship? <laughs> the Gospel of John, chapter 14. All right, let me see if I got it on my papers. I know I do, I just don't know where it is. All right, the Gospel of John, we're on page 6. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. Verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again. If ye love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now let's go to the Gospel of John 15. And let's go to verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I shall send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify or bear witness of me. That word testify and the word witness come out of the same word. In other words, Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, then it's going to talk about me. It's going to bear witness that I'm in you. It's going to testify of me. It's going to bear witness that this ain't you. This is the Christ living on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost don't have its own person. I've heard people talk about the third person of the Godhead. There ain't but one person of the Godhead, and that's Jesus. You tell me how in the New Testament we know what we know about God. It was what was manifest through Jesus. Is that not right? Did Jesus not tell his disciples in John 16 uh, when he told them they, they want him to show them the Father? The Father? He said, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? He was God manifest. He was the express image of, the, he was the express image of God's person. Everything God was was revealed in Jesus. Amen? Everything God was in the beginning was revealed in Adam. He created him, gave him dominion over everything. Did he not? That's the kingdom. Adam had the kingdom. Adam disobeyed and gave it away. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he's going to testify of me. He ain't going to talk about himself because there ain't nothing about him. He's my spirit. He's my spirit. Y'all understand what I'm saying? The spirit that has come back, that came back on the day of Pentecost, that they got a measure of, was the spirit of the Christ. It was the spirit of the, the, the humanity of man and the resurrected power of Christ mixed. It became one. Are y'all following with me? It became one. You don't see the Holy Ghost going off and testifying of himself. You don't see the Holy Ghost doing things on his own. Amen? Oh, me? Help me, Lord. <laughs> All the above, as Brother Elder says. In verse 27, he said, and ye, shall and ye shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. John 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Have you ever thought about that? He said, if I don't go away, he said the comforter, can't, he, he won't come. He can't come. Why? It was the spirit that was in him. It was the spirit that was in him, Brother Kevin. He said, I got to die. I got to go away. He said, if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. He said, but if I go away, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Are y'all following with me? 
John 16 and 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. He can't talk about himself. Why? He's the Spirit of Christ. Everything he knows is about Christ because it's the Spirit of Christ. It's the ghost of Jesus. Am I making sense to you? Okay, now, stay with me. And he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So ain't nothing about this Spirit of Christ that he was sending back on the day of Pentecost was going to testify or witness about anything except Jesus. Right? Y'all with me so far? Okay. All things that the Father hath are mine. <laughs> Y'all see that? You said everything the Father's got is mine. Because when he come back after the resurrection, he stood up and told his disciples, Behold, all power in heaven and earth is what? Given unto me. All power in heaven and earth is now given unto me. But before, he said, I must go to my Father because my Father's greater than I am. But once he come back after the resurrection, after he had become the Christ, after the full power of God had manifested itself in his flesh, he became the man, Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 2 and... Uh, uh, 2 Timothy, 2nd chapter, 5th verse, where we know there's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. That's where that scripture in, in Philippians 2 and 5 comes from. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We don't need this carnal mind. This carnal mind's what hinders. This carnal mind's what's enmity against God. This carnal mind's what fights everything we do for God. We need the mind that was in Christ Jesus or that mind of that resurrected humanity and spirit of God. We need that mind to be also in us. Amen? I hope this is getting a hold of y'all because this is what we're fixing to get. We go, I, I don't know what we got, but we don't have what they got on the day of Pentecost. We don't, you call it rain, you call it whatever, we don't have that form of rain. Because they had something we didn't have. They, they had something we don't have. We don't have the desire, we won't lay our lives down to death. There are very few, I, you say, well, Brother Metter, I will. I'm going to tell you something, until you're in that situation, you don't know what you'll do. Peter told the Lord, he said, rest of you of these may run off and leave you. He said, but I ain't going to run off and leave you, I'll stick with you even unto death. He said, really, Peter? <laughs> really? Really? He said, son, I love you. And he said, I prayed for you that your faith had failed thee not. He says, because Satan has come to shift you as weak. But he said, I'm telling you, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me twice. Oh, no, Lord, I won't never deny you. I'll go to death with you. I got my sword right here. I'll fight for you. And Peter did. When they reached out to get him, and Peter swung at that servant, cut his ear off. Peter wasn't aiming for his ear. Peter meant to cut his head off. Peter was going to fight for Jesus. But then when he saw the hopelessness of the situation, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, said they all forsook him. They fled. But Peter didn't have the Holy Ghost then. Peter didn't have that spirit of Christ. Because see, we don't know what's in us. The Bible said the heart is exceedingly deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
You don't know what you'll do to your foot in that situation. I think I would stand for Christ. I believe I would. But till I know, till I'm put there. But see, I want, I want to have something in me that I know. That I know. So I need something more in me than what I've got. Are y'all following with me? All the things that my father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now all these scriptures that I've just brought forth, they tell you about the nature, the mind, the spirit. They tell you what the Holy Ghost is or what it was going to become. It ain't just the healings. It ain't just the miracles. It's having that nature of the Christ. It's getting that revealed in us so that people will know there's something in our lives. People will know that there is a earnest or a measure of the Christ that is being formed in us. Right now, our actions ain't showing people much. And I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing. Where do people see Christ revealed in us? And what do we do that they know that Christ is, that Christ is being formed in us? What are we doing? About the only place we even let loose and release to the Spirit of God is in church. Am I right? We get out in public, man, we just clamp down on the Spirit of God. We're afraid somebody's going to say something about us. We're afraid somebody's going to call us wacky or crazy or... You know, Paul wrote, and he said we were the scum and the off-scouring of the earth. He said we were a reproach. Nobody wants to be a reproach about anything if you got any pride or self-esteem at all. But pride's one of our big troubles. We want everybody to think well of us. We really do. And there's nothing wrong with having a, a sense of pride and integrity and honesty and wanting to do right. That's one thing. But just walking around prideful talking about something you're supposed to have that you don't have. Do you know how many churches I can preach this in? that they wouldn't have already showed me the door. <laughs> this one right here. <laughs> There's not very many people going to listen to this because they're indoctrinated. And I told people at church in Fort Payne four or five years ago, when I started preaching on God doing a new thing, and God told us in First Corinthians second chapter, around 6th or 7th verse, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. And that's the there and shake their heads. Yeah, Brother Matter, we know. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. God said you don't know what I'm fixing to do. Yeah, we, we know. We understand what God's fixing to do. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. I said, well, here's the trouble. As long as you think you've got all you need in the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to seek for anything more.
And God can't give you anything more than what you got. And most of them don't have anything except tongues. That's it. Tongues. Devil talking tongues to you. <laughs> Big time. Devil quote the word to you. He knows the word. You got to have something more. It's time for us to start searching and seeking after an indwelling of the Spirit of Christ. Do I believe God's worked something in my life? Yeah, if He hadn't, I couldn't have stood for 47 years. God's worked something in my life. I don't have as many miracles as I used to, but I was on the evangelistic field for 22 years. And I was in prayer all the time and preaching, sometimes two or three times a day on faith and healing and deliverance. And there's nights that I'd have prayer lines that it'd take me an hour and a half, two hours to get through them, Sister Pat. And God worked one miracle right after the other. I remember the first time I ever went to Brother Donnie Patterson's. I think it's in either 96 or 97. And I preached that night, and he was still in the old church. And I had so many miracles. When I come in the next night, they had folding chairs up and down the aisles all the way out in the foyer to the front door and still couldn't seat the people. People heard about the miracles, and they started coming. I think I was there three days, and I had so many miracles you couldn't even count them. But I was evangelizing them. But that don't stop the faith and deliverance that God's put in me. It's still in here. Some of y'all seen it work. You've seen God do I've come back and testified of miracles. You've seen miracles right here. But I want the Christ to take its abode in here. Like Paul said, he, Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, he said, the life that I now live in the flesh... He said, it's not I that live, but it is the Christ that liveth in me. And he said, I will not frustrate the grace of God. We need a witness. I'm not criticizing. I know God's touched your lives. I know God's done something in every one of you. But we're not seeking for a witness. We're not seeking for the indwelling of the Christ. There's a world out there dying. There's a generation dying for deliverance they're dying for deliverance and we've got the word we've got the working of the spirit and we're going out of here every week and God ministering to us and trying to motivate us and trying to inspire us and trying to get us to get out and seek for something and we're going out of here every week with nothing to deliver this generation can't keep happening can't keep happening can't keep happening I hope all this week, every day, half a dozen times a day, you hear me saying, where's your witness? Where's your witness? Where's your, what are you doing? Where's your witness? Where's your witness? If you've got the same Holy Ghost they got on the day of Pentecost, which I know you don't, but there's people arguing you down, they do. Produce it. Manifested. He said, after the Holy Ghost has come up on you, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses. In other words, you're going to perform miracles. You're going to testify that I am dwelling in you. I hope you hear it a dozen times a day. Where's your witness? What are you doing to produce a witness? I know we can't impart things to ourselves. 
But we can seek the Lord. And we can get a burden and we can get down to business. And we can start laying some things aside that's hindering us. I mean, people are, they're in the form. People go through their lives every week and it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. I mean, Sister Daniels preached one of the greatest words I think I ever heard. And my God, this has probably been six, seven years ago. And she talked about people being so caught up in ministry is what she called it. Working for ministry, going and preaching, helping ministries. Testifying, with, you know, just going and doing and doing and doing. And she said they're just constantly busy. And they call it working for the Lord. And she said they can go that way for years and never reach the first phase of their ministry. Because they're caught up in habit, they're caught up in form, they're caught up in going forward. God don't want you caught up in habit. He don't want you caught up in tradition. He wants you to be a vessel yielded to Him. That if His Spirit moves on you, He can use you. Now you get around me, and the Spirit of God moves on me, I don't care where I'm at. I'll lay hands on you. The Spirit of God will put you down if it hits you that way. But I'm not going to quench the world because when God comes on me at a certain time, God's anointed me to do something. Ain't that right, Sister Deborah? <laughs> Sister Kathy and Sister Deborah and Sister Christy and I think Brother Justin come by my house. They was going down to Columbus or going down that way somewhere and they'd stop by the house. They had to bring some chairs. See, I didn't tell nobody what I was doing New Year's Eve. Because you know what I knew I'd hear? Why didn't you invite me? Why didn't you invite me? Why didn't you let me come? Because the Lord told me to invite pastors that did not know the revelation of this word and bring them into my home and sit down and talk to them. And from Friday night till Sunday about 1.30, I talked and talked about this revelation of the kingdom of God and what Jesus went through, what he suffered in hell. How he was resurrected in the power of his resurrection. Eternal life. I covered. Man, I covered. I, I, I probably talked 10 or 12 hours. In those. If not more. And then the spirit of the Lord came in there. That I played for y'all Saturday evening. About 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. The spirit of the Lord just stepped in. Do I believe something has happened? Yes. Have I seen the manifestation of it yet? No. Because God's teaching me how to manifest what he's revealing. He's teaching me how to manifest what he's revealing. Amen. Does this make sense to y'all? Does this make sense to y'all? We need the Christ. We need the Christ. Amen. We need the Christ. We need something to happen to us. And see, that's what the Lord told me last year. When he told me it was a new beginning. He said, I'm going to cause the rain, the former and the latter rain to come down in the first month. God's fixing to take us in something we ain't never been in. See, we know what the former rain is. It's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The rain is just the working of the Holy Ghost we've had all down through the generations. The latter rain, nobody knows what it is. It's never been manifest. I believe it's the fullness of the Christ coming in. Amen. 
I believe the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than that of the former, according to the Scriptures. I believe we're headed into something. We have no idea what we're headed into. We have no idea. There's been no precedent. Nobody's ever had the latter reign of the Holy Ghost. Nobody. This is for us. This is for us. Amen. This is for us. I have told y'all that the Lord started dealing with me in 2006 on the resurrected power of Christ. Paul in Philippians 3.10, he said, I want to know him. In the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. How do you do that? How do you be made conformable unto what Jesus went through in his death? How do you be made conformable what he went through in the sufferings of hell? How, how do you do that? <laughs> that sure ain't going to be a natural thing. And then Paul went on and said, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He was talking about the power. No generation has ever had the power of the resurrected Christ living in them. That's ours. <laughs> this is ours. Amen. This is I, this is what God wants to give us. But we got to know what's coming. We got to know what we're seeking for. Because I ain't seeking for tongues. I can talk in tongues. Sister Kathy keeps talking about that man with them strange tongues. <laughs> and the more she gets around me in prayer, the stranger they get. <laughs> Sometimes the stronger they get. But there's something behind them strange tongues. And I got my eyes on a mark. And I got my eyes on a prize. And that prize is the resurrected power of Christ taking its abode right here. Amen. He's going to make us witnesses. It ain't you. It's Him living in you. It's Him living in you. You can't do nothing. You can't do nothing. You don't have the power to heal a, a sick fly. Paul said, there ain't nothing I can do. But through him, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. Don't you love the Lord? You appreciate him? Isn't God good? Hallelujah. I want God to reveal himself in us. I'm not looking to, for another prophecy. I'm not looking to prophesy another prophecy. I'm not looking to speak in tongues. I'm not really looking for another miracle those are going to happen but they're going to happen because Christ is being formed in here I remember Brother Lonzo Cromer came to our church I think it was in 2012 and he preached on the intimacy of power and y'all remember that service and he told the people the true power of God comes from becoming intimate in relationship with Jesus Christ that's where the power comes from a lot of people seek for power. I don't seek for power. I seek for that nature. I seek to be made one with him. Because Daniel said, I see a people that do know their God. And they shall be strong. And they're going to do exploits. But you've got to get in relationship with him. I appreciate the Lord today. I hope it's been a great blessing to you. Amen. Would you close your eyes and let's go to prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you for the working of your spirit, the moving of the Holy Ghost. And God, let this word get down in our hearts, let it get in our minds, let it get in our spirits. And let it be, Lord. Let it be, Holy God, that we can hide this word in our heart, that we sin not against you, that your will can be wrought in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if y'all take these scriptures and study them, and you'll take this word of the Lord that came to us on New Year's Eve, and you'll look at it and believe it, I believe God will start working something in us. Amen. Because see, when God speaks, I believe. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and receive the offering, and I'm going to ask you to just do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. You know, I I teach on tithing. I believe in tithing. Some people don't believe in it, but I do believe in giving. Because the Lord said, Honor the Lord with your substance, and with the first fruits all ye increase. Somebody was talking to me and trying to tell me tithing was back under the law. I said, Well, you know, I didn't get into it. I just let them talk, but Abraham Melchizedek wasn't under the law. <laughs> That's 400 years before the law. And Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. When Jacob slept on that stone, the angel of the Lord went up and down that ladder. Jacob vowed a tithe to God on everything God blessed him with from that day forward. That wasn't under the law. And I want y'all to listen to what I'm going to say right here. Has anybody ever quoted the scripture, Return unto me, and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord? You ever quoted that? Malachi. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord. But you know what they asked God right after that? Wherein shall a man return? And God said, You have robbed me in tithes and offerings this whole nation. Turn back to your giving. So don't go around quoting part of the word. Let's get the whole thing in there. <laughs> Amen? Let's get the whole thing in there. Now, we got our, our mission jar back here. I ask you to put your ones aside during the week and give, but let's just do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. If you got two or three thousand dollars laying around you don't need, I could use a good love offer. Come on, stand on your feet and come in honor of the Lord. I appreciate this word today. Sister Susie, I'm going to let you take it as soon as I get through here and let her dismiss. I appreciate the Lord so much. Hallelujah. Good to see you, young man. Good to see you, brother. Been a long time. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is so good. Good to see you, brother. Appreciate you coming. Love you, my sister. Glad the enemy didn't hinder you. This is a powerful word today. How many of y'all know this word is powerful? Hallelujah. Now, we, we got this on our live stream. It's in our archives. You can go back and listen to it. You can go back and watch it. You can get a CD. The notes are there somewhere. Did you give the notes? Do we, do we post the notes online? When you have time? <laughs> in your spare time? <laughs> okay. Let's ask God to bless this. Have you enjoyed the Word today? I believe it's been good. Amen. And, Brother 
elder asked me uh, for service, he said, have you prayed any about Brother Cromer coming? I said, no. Still want the church to grow some right now before we start having ministers in. But here's the way I am. If I don't know you, if I don't know anything about you, if I don't know your relationship and your walk with God, you don't get a chance to speak very much because I don't know your relationship with God unless God speaks to me. Now, if God speaks to me about you, that's different. But every minister I ever let minister in Fort Payne for probably nearly 15 years, there's only two I let minister because of somebody else's recommendation I wish to happen. But the Lord dealt with me about most of them. I, I won't hardly let a preacher in on somebody's recommendation now. I had a man try to get my pulpit for over a year, and I wouldn't let him in, and the lady called me. She said, she said, are you praying about letting that man in? I said, no. I said, that man's a fornicator and an adulterer and a liar. And I mean, can preach, can minister, can draw a crowd, can move people, but full of the devil. I mean, you go to church where that man's preaching, you better put a set of handcuffs on you and your wife because if he gets a chance, he'll leave there with her. I don't want that kind of spirit in my pulpit. Man, that's the kind of stuff I fought against all my life. That's the kind of stuff I've cried out against. Somebody called me one time about a young man that I knew from way out west. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. And said, you know that man? I said, yeah. He said, well, he said, you need to call him have a talk with him. I said, well, I ain't got nothing to do with him. I know him. He said, well, he said, we found out every town he goes into evangelizing, he got him a girlfriend, and he said, he doesn't mess the girl here up. Buddy, I called him up. And I told him, I said, you can't preach the gospel and live clean. You better get yourself off the field. I said, because I will come pay you a visit. And I said, I will beat the daylights out of you. Don't you get out here representing the gospel of Jesus Christ and be a fornicator and an adulterer. And I knew the young man. At one time, he had a dedication. And him and his wife went through a divorce. He got out on the field and got lonely. He said, well, Brother Metter, you don't understand what it's like. I said, well, you mean I don't understand what it's like? He said, well, I'm out here for days on end. Don't have nobody. I said, Brother, I've spent six and seven weeks away from my wife. And I said, on the field. I said, I've spent 30 and 40 days at a time in India in the mission field. And I said, I don't go out and commit fornication. I said, if you can't do no better than that, you stay off the field. And you stay away from me. Because you get around me, I'll hurt you. <laughs> he said, Brother Matt, that wasn't the right spirit. Well, it might not have been what he, wasn't, what he was doing wasn't the right spirit either. You got to have integrity. Amen. So, you know, I appreciate all these ministers out here. But I've had people ask me, said, you going to let so-and-so come preach? I said, not unless God speaks to me. Because I am picky like a bulldog guard dog over my sheep. Amen. You got to be. Y'all are my responsibility to be sure you do right. But it ain't my responsibility to bring in sheep. <laughs> Sheep's supposed to beget sheep. Y'all know that? Don't you love the Lord? Did I pray? Yes, no. All right. Father, we thank you for this offering. God bless it. God, the people that are standing with us, that are helping us, God bless it, sanctify it, open the windows of heaven and pour it out on them, Jesus. 
God, I need you to bless this church. I need you to bless this people. I need you to bring us forward in that that we're doing. And give us the finances to send this gospel forth. God, bless everything the people put their hands to. Let it be, Lord, that you smile on us. God, if they've, if they've moved by the word, if they've moved by faith, however they've moved and give, honor it, Lord. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Do you appreciate the Lord? Give Sister Susie a good hand.